lesser known Christmas tradition is that of the ghost story. In the 1800s, families and friends would sit around a fire, warming themselves on the cold winter nights of Christmas and tell each other creepy tales of spirits and the unexplained. In modern times, this tradition's been engulfed by Halloween and the ghost fireside stories of old have been relegated to a Halloween outing. Personally, I love a good creepy story, so as it's the Christmas break here at Dark Histories, I knew I had to put together a bonus episode built from your stories and get back to some of the older traditions of Christmas. So sit back, turn down the lights and warm yourself by the Dark Histories Christmas campfire. Kicking things off is a series of strange events sent in by Kate from Paris, France. Kate prefaced her email wanting to make sure that it known that she is a completely ordinary 25-year-old with a boring job and no real belief in the paranormal or any extreme interests. Still, Kate had a pretty strange story to tell. I've recently moved into a top floor apartment with my boyfriend. There are three apartments on our floor and ours is the middle one. It's a shoebox shaped apartment with the front door in the bottom right of the box. The first other apartment on the floor shares our bottom wall and it's occupied. Sometimes I hear noises from there at night, but nothing weird. Just the slight audible noises that you get from any usual apartment. The apartment that technically shares the right hand wall is empty now. I know this because we share the same landlord and we see painters coming and going throughout the day. Definitely no one is staying there, but it's from this apartment that I hear strange noises from at night. What makes this more peculiar is that the wall that the noise comes from appears to be filled by a chimney. There's a door in the bottom right of the bedroom that has the water tank inside and some small storage space that leads up to the actual wall connecting our apartments. You can see the column of the chimney in that cupboard and you can also see the top of the chimney through our skylight. At night, however, I can hear coughing and a bed creaking, and it sounds like it's coming from an area right by the chimney. My first thought was that the noise was traveling up through the chimney from an apartment below us, but I'm pretty sure it's blocked up in each flat. And besides, the flats below would have the chimney in their kitchens, not their bedrooms. The other thing about it all is that just outside of the door of our apartment there's a hatch that leads to a small room which matches up about the same size as the storage space and it sits right above it. There looks like at one point there was a staircase that led up to this attic room but it's blocked off now and the only way in or out is through the hatch but I've never seen or heard anyone go in or out. I can see through a crack in the hatch a small amount of the room and it appears to be well lit and with plain white painted walls, but I can't get a really good look. The sounds that come from there at night are also much louder than the normal sounds that come from the neighboring occupied apartment. It literally sounds as if the creaking and coughing is coming from right next to us on the other side of the wall. The only logical explanation I can come up with is that someone is sleeping in the attic room at night but that doesn't really make total sense. I asked our landlord about the attic and he said that there was nothing up there. It was where all the wiring and the electrics were kept for the elevator apparently. There have been a few other small strange things with the apartment too. None as consistent, but equally strange. One morning our doorbell rang, which was surprising in itself. 
You need to buzz to get into the building, so I'd never actually heard our front doorbell before. I got out of bed and threw some clothes on, which took me about 60 seconds. But when I opened the door, no one was there. I also didn't hear anyone using the elevator or climbing the staircase, which I normally can since the stairs are old and wooden. On the second night after we had moved in, I thought I could hear whispering whilst I was in bed. It was barely audible, but close. It definitely didn't sound as if it was coming from another apartment. And the next morning, my boyfriend told me that he had had what he thought was sleep paralysis that same night, waking up with a heavy weight on his chest and feeling like he was unable to move. We put it down at the time to not being used to the new place yet and both sleeping a little badly, but the whispering has bothered me. I know I definitely wasn't asleep and it wasn't a dream. I have been having dreams though, and they're really starting to feel weird. I have a dream where I'm in bed in my flat and there are two small children in the room with us. They aren't being threatening or anything, they just play on the floor, sometimes chase one another around. I see it all from a slightly out of body position, maybe about five feet above myself in the bed. I've had this same dream four times since we've moved in and I've never had a dream like this before. Topping all of this off, our front door has started opening by itself and almost always at night. We've gone and bought one of those heavy bean-filled door stops to push up against it, though it has a deadlock anyway, so it shouldn't really be necessary. But even with the door stop, it's opening by itself, usually once or twice a week. Needless to say, sleeping at night with what appears to be an unknown neighbor just behind the wall, a creepy hatch outside the front door that seems to mysteriously open by itself, and strange whispers is getting a little unsettling. I'm certain there is a feasible explanation, but at present, even me and my level-headed boyfriend are starting to feel a little edgy. So yeah, thanks for that one, Kate. Um, a little edgy, that's uh, putting it mildly. I think I would be, well, I wouldn't be there anymore, that's for sure. <laughs> but really, thanks for sending your email in. I, I've no advice to give you other than run, just run away. Just run, just just run as far as you can. Just don't worry about it being Christmas, just keep going. Moving to a tale of the creepier cult kind. This is an anonymous tale sent to me by a listener in Brazil and tells the story of a cult group that might just be operating a little too close for comfort. I live in front of a forest that has a crossroad in it, which is a small stream passing over the road. There's only about four houses and no movement on my street, so people often use the crossroad for rituals. I've seen some pretty interesting stuff around there. From what I know, the rituals are from Quimbanda, an Afro-Brazilian religion, and focus mostly on evil spells like to harm someone or influence someone to do something. They put candles on the ground together with a strong alcoholic beverage, and sometimes corn or popcorn too. But if they need a very strong spirit to do what is asked, an animal is sacrificed. The most common are chickens and dogs, but I've seen a goat and a cow in there. Yeah, a freaking adult cow. It blocked the entire road. At least that one the city came and removed. The mayor's norm is to leave the corpses to the vultures, as there are so few people residing here. As if the smell doesn't bother us. 
Nobody ever heard the animals being killed. You'd expect a full-grown healthy cow to at least make some noise. There's blood, there's a head separated from a body, but no one ever hears anything. They probably give the animals some sort of drug to dope them, but it's still weird to me. There was this one time, I was coming home around 10pm, and this dude was going in the direction towards the crossroad. He had two shovels over his shoulders, and looked like he just came from inside a mine. We crossed, I greeted him, he greeted me, and right after he passed me, I saw him turn right and walk into the forest. Forests here aren't just a bunch of tall trees with nothing growing underneath. They're very dense and with short and medium vegetation. I almost pissed myself thinking he was going to hit me with one of the shovels. Another nocturnal encounter I had was a dude staring intently at the bones of an old sacrifice. I saw him walk away and come back a few times before I came close enough for him to ask me if the bones were of a human child. He must not have been very educated in biology because those were dog bones with a very visible non-human skull. I assured him those were not human bones. He thanked me and went on his way. We've also seen the cars of the people that participate in said rituals. They're mostly red and black cars and a white van. They park the cars near our homes, probably not to raise suspicion from the police, but we notice when there's a different car in the neighborhood. The police have been called a few times, but without direct proof they're doing something strange, it's difficult to incriminate someone, not to mention that there is a certain fear of these rituals and that there is a possibility of repercussions for disrupting them. Talking about disrupting, I heard once in a conversation with someone who kicked a dead chicken off the ritual place and they got attacked by a black dog. The dude still had scars from the bites. He said the dog came out of nowhere. I take all the mystical part with a grain of salt, but it doesn't stop it from being creepy. Passing through the crossroad during the night, smelling rotting flesh, seeing the candles and not being able to know what might be looking at you through the dense forest all around. Again, I'm fairly sure I would be running at this point. Um, yeah, thanks very much for your email. Um, I suppose it's difficult to sell your house when you've got a cult operating on your doorstep, so you can't really run. But, but I read that story when I received it and it was about nine o'clock in the morning and I still read it and thought, oh my God, this sounds terrible. <laughs> so thanks very much for that. Okay, so in the run-up to this episode, when I asked if people would send me their stories, I mentioned that I would participate in kind and tell my own story. Until now, I've only told this to about two or three people in my entire life. It's not even necessarily as creepy as the others, but the fact is I never knew what happened and that is something I've always felt a little bit uncomfortable thinking about. So, here we go, I guess, here's my tale. Back when I was about 19 years old, I was going to college and I had that freedom of mind to just drop things and plough ahead with a strange idea without thinking too hard about it. Me and a few friends decided one Friday night that we'd hop into our cars and drive to Pluckley. Pluckley is a small village in Kent, the very southeast of England. It's about a two or three hour drive from us. I'd read about the village before. It had been a long time holder of title of the most haunted village in England. 
I hear these days it actually gets a lot of ghost tourism from the boom of the ghost hunting TV shows. But back when we went, it was well before all of that. And so as we drove into the village and then straight back out the other side before we realised we had done so, the streets were completely empty. We'd passed straight through since, as I mentioned before, that Pluckley is a small village, I did mean it was small. One road leads you more or less straight through, and aside from a church, a pub and a handful of houses, there's not much to see that gives it away to someone expecting anything more. When we arrived, it was about 9 or 10 p.m. It was getting towards the thick of autumn, so it was already dark, and a heavy fog had rolled in from the English Channel, which sat only a short distance further to the east. In latter years, I heard more about Pruckley and came to learn that thick fogs are something of a feature for the village. But at the time, the only information we had of the place was that it had a pub and was supposedly haunted of upwards of 14 ghosts in various spots. There was the highwayman, run through hundreds of years previously and who now stalked an area of road named Fright Corner by the locals. The hanging body of the schoolmaster hung from a tree and classically, they have both a white and red lady who is said to be ghosts stalking around the churchyard. There's many more, including one of a horse and cart that is said to have been seen on several roads around Plugley. We were going to be camping the night and we decided to make our camp in Daring Woods, or as nicknamed, the Screaming Woods, which lies on the outskirts of the main strip of the village. It was supposedly home to a few visitations, the Red Lady herself apparently ventured out there from her churchyard on occasion. It all felt very isolated and suffocating as we looked for a place to park up. With the low visibility from the fog, we drove slowly along the old country roads, lined with tall hedgerows on either side and with tall trees arching over them. The night sky was obscured by the thick, dense fog, reflecting in the beams of the car's headlights. We'd been having a good laugh all the way on the drive, but as the signposts counted down the miles, the cars drew noticeably quieter. What actually happened next is difficult for me to describe, and even more so for me to try to understand. I'm gonna just write it out as best I can in a way that it happened. As we drove back through Pluckley and pulled out, turning left onto the road that swings past the main strip towards the woods, the driver asked me to change the music. Earlier I thought it would amp up the mood a little bit if I put on Godspeed to listen to. To anyone unfamiliar, they're a darkly atmospheric band and I think the driver was not so thankful for my little bit of pot stirring. I was in the passenger seat and there was a CD wallet that I had put in the footwell as I'd changed the music all the way along the drive. As I bent down to pick it up, just as I was moving my head to look down at the wallet, I saw something in the road ahead of us. It was large and it took up at least three quarters of the width of the road. It was perhaps a little bit larger than the car that we were in. It wasn't what I would call clear nor detailed, but it was definitely a boxy shape. And as stupid as it sounds, it was a bit like more fog coming out of the fog. It was definitely something that I thought had definition as opposed to the fog that swirled loosely in the headlights. In that split second, 
And before I even stopped to look, my mind had already dismissed it, and I continued to reach for the CD wallet. But again, within a split second, the driver slammed on his brakes. If the driver had put on the brakes, then he too had seen what I had seen. I can't reiterate enough that all of the above steps took place in probably less than one or maybe two seconds. I turned to look at the driver and found that he too was looking at me, as if we were silently asking each other for confirmation of what had just happened. Thankfully, the second passenger, another friend of ours who was in the back of the car, said completely nonchalantly, What? Which broke a lot of the tension. He was always known to be a little bit out of it and in his own little world, so it cut away at the still of the car, and I turned to him and half laughing and said, Oh, you know, nothing, don't worry about it. We finally parked up a short distance on from this spot, and when we got out of the car, the second car of our group parked up next to us. The driver got out and asked us why we had suddenly slammed on our brakes. Our driver explained that we had missed a turning. We never actually spoke about it for the rest of the night, and after we graduated from college, I lost touch with him. I've never actually got the chance to ask him what he had seen or to see if it had been similar to what I thought I had seen. At the time, I kind of didn't really want to know. Nowadays, I'd be very interested. I assume he was paying much more attention to the road than I was, so I should have had a much better look at the, I don't know, if it's like an object, perhaps one way to call it, that came out of the fog that night. I have suspected for several years since that it could well have been the horse and cart that's said to have been seen around the roads. It was big enough, but frankly, I'd never thought too deeply or talked much about the experience. We went to Pluckley looking for ghosts, but I don't think any of us had really expected to find them. What started as a ridiculous adventure has left me with something much more than a good time. I don't think I'd ever tell someone, like, oh, I've definitely seen a ghost. And it doesn't really change my mind or what I do or do not believe, but it's certainly left me with an uncomfortable feeling of the unknown. It's planted a seed of doubt, which I've never really been able to shake. The last story from tonight's episode comes from another anonymous emailer and quickly changes from something of an unfortunate reality of modern society into something much stranger. I was on my way home from a really long stint travelling and was on the last part of my journey, sitting in Leeds train station at about 2am. I'd missed the last train home so just shacked up on one of the benches waiting for the first train the next morning at 6.30am. I was reading a paper and eating a rock-hard pan of chocolat. Some of the staff of one of the bakeries were leaving to go home and had given me a bag of pastries, which were meant to go in the bin, but they had asked me if I wanted them first. I was starving and it was free food, so of course I snapped her hand off for them. It was pretty quiet. It was a Monday night, so no real reason for anyone to have been about. There were one or two other people in the station milling about, but it was otherwise quite quiet, and actually it was not really the worst situation to be in, despite the fact that I really just wanted to get home. The station was well lit, so it wasn't really creepy, other than the slight weirdness you feel when you're somewhere deserted that's normally so busy. All the shops had closed their shutters, and the electric hum about the place was the loudest sound. 
About 30 minutes had passed when I saw a man come onto the concourse from the car park. He only had one leg and was on crutches, which, whilst being not something you see every day, wasn't really anything out of the ordinary. I got back to reading and didn't think much about him. Occasionally I would notice that he was still there, floating around in the same spot, and eventually after about another 15 minutes, he started walking across the polished floor in my direction. I could hear him breathing, which was actually pretty unusual. At the distance he was from me, you wouldn't normally hear someone breathing, even if they are out of breath. Maybe it was because it was so quiet in the station, I thought. As he got closer though, it just didn't seem right. It was the most animalistic sound I've ever heard come from a person. It was raspy and guttural. It legit made the hairs on the back of my neck stand on end. I could see him better now too, and noticed that his face was grubby and his clothes were dirty and tatty too. The right leg of his jeans where his leg should be had been cut off and tied at the top. As he slowly hobbled closer, he was really slow walking on the crutches. I looked up at him directly and just then, he also looked back at me. His eyes were milky and white. I thought he must be blind, but he seemed to be looking right at me. His breathing was still getting louder, still just as rasping and laboured as before. To be honest, I feel a bit guilty writing this, but at the time I was terrified. In hindsight, you can say that it was totally disproportionate to the situation, but at that time, hearing that breathing alone in the station, I was petrified. Maybe it was fight or flight, but I had a feeling that this was not right at all. When he stopped hobbling along on the crutches, still looking at me with those milky eyes, about eight feet away, I grabbed my bag and I just legged it out of the station. I'm kind of embarrassed writing this up right now, honestly. What if he had just been a homeless guy and I'd reacted like that? It's not really a great way to treat people who might just be in a bad situation. Still, that isn't where it ended and no matter if I'd acted rightly or wrongly at that time, I'm sure my feelings were right to have run. I saw him three more times over the next couple of weeks. You might not think that's weird, but I don't live in Leeds. I live about 40 miles away from Leeds Station. Twice I saw him in public places. Once was in the daytime. He was wearing the same clothes and still seemed to be struggling along on his crutches. The first time he was over on the opposite side of the road from me and I didn't think too much of it, though it did seem weird that I'd seen him twice so quickly. He did stick out a bit though, so it's easy to dismiss. The second time, I heard him before I saw him. I was walking to the bus stop after work and I heard that same animal-like breathing and growling behind me. He was about 10 feet behind me walking along. I stopped and let him pass by. I was sort of freaked out and worried he was following me, and as he closed the gap, that breathing sound felt really intense. I half wanted to close my eyes or just run again. I really felt this time that there was something not right about him, something I couldn't put my finger on. Just something else there. When he was finally in front of me, it seemed to take forever for him to labour past on those crutches and every step I thought he was going to turn to me. 
Thankfully, he didn't. And when he was a good 20 or feet or so past, I walked the last minute to the bus stop a little slowly and got on the bus. I pretty much put him out of my mind after that. About a week later though, I went outside from my house at about 11pm to put the bins out. I live in a pretty lazy suburb and my road is mostly quiet. As I was turning back to my front door, I heard that breathing again. It was coming from right down the road and I looked out from my driveway and I could see him, the same guy, the tied up jean leg and crutches and everything, just standing on the pavement, cracking away with his growling breath. I pretty much just froze. At this point, I was sure it wasn't a coincidence that I'd been seeing him. Again, I feel totally stupid, but I didn't really know what to do. I didn't want him to know where I lived, so I didn't want to just rush inside. I just stood there. And after I stood there for about a minute or so, and noticed that he hadn't moved or turned towards me or anything, I backstepped all the way to my front door, still hearing his breath and I closed it behind me as quietly as I could. I spent that night really freaking out. I didn't know if I should call the police or what. I was still kind of worried what they might think, like if I was wasting their time, and part of me still wondered if the guy was just homeless. I didn't want to cause many trouble from me just being unnecessarily paranoid and ridiculous. I never saw him after that, so I guess I still don't know if he ever was just homeless. I swear though, there just felt something strange about him and the breathing sounds really didn't help. I've said a lot of embarrassing things so far in this email, so I'll just come out with it. I still think about him when I'm walking home late at night and I still fear hearing that breath behind me. Luckily, it's all been in my head so far. Well, there's not, well, I, yeah, I, I can understand what you're saying. Um, I don't think you need to feel guilty. Um, I think, like, it is a sad truth of our society that we don't know how to act when we're around the kind of outsiders. Um, but in this case, specifically, it sounds a little bit more than just a homeless person anyway. So I, I think you are right to worry. And uh, yeah, I can see how that sort of can hang with you when you start seeing him outside your house. Um, but anyway, thanks for the email. Best of luck with that one. <laughs> and that's pretty much going to close out this part of the Creepy Campfire episode. Um, I've still got a couple of stories, so I'd like to pop out one more episode before the end of the Christmas break, um, especially since people took the time to write them in for me. So if you want to have your story included, probably going to have some time for it. So you can email them to me, let's say... Um, before the 29th of December um, and you can contact me at contact at darkhistories.com just email them to me and um, I'll include them in the next episode so thanks for listening Merry Christmas to you all and sleep tight <laughs> <laughs>